Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Praise God. If you have your Bibles and will turn with me uh, to the epistle of the book of Romans, chapter number five, amen. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter number five, and uh, while you are turning there, uh, let me uh, say a, a couple of things uh, real fast. Um, one, what a wonderful weekend we had celebrating around First Church last Sunday. Wasn't that fantastic? We just had a great time in the Lord. And then two, uh, this afternoon uh, at our Vacaville campus, if you are able and want to join us, um, we are having an impromptu revival service this afternoon. Uh, last night, we were privileged to join with our friends in uh, the Fairfield Church celebrating their seventh church and pastoral anniversary. And their son-in-law uh, was the minister in that um, service, uh, Minister uh, Middleton. And I want to tell you what, uh, he shucked the corn last night. And, and if you don't know what that means, that means he preached. And he did a fantastic, I mean, it was just wonderful. The word he spoke was great. And uh, so I asked him after church, I said, now look, I love to preach. And I love to preach more than anywhere in our home church. And, and so for me to give up a Sunday is a really, really big deal. And so uh, I, I felt led to ask him if he could be there because I know this morning there he's with his in-laws at their church. And so he's going to come over and be with us at the afternoon service. If you're able to grab a quick lunch and come over there and worship with us, you are more than welcome to join us. Um, I did find out that uh, he is of the lineage of the Philistines because he's about seven and a half feet tall. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. When he stood behind the pulpit that hits me here, it was hitting him mid-thigh. I mean, I thought to myself, I wonder if when he kneels to pray, he gets sickness from altitude change because he's so tall. But uh, he's a greatly, greatly anointed man of God, and you would, you would be, uh, do yourself well if you are able to get over there, amen. And, you know, it's kind of like Thanksgiving. If you got, you know, you've ate your Thanksgiving lunch, and then somebody around the corner or across town or next town over says, hey, we got some leftovers. Y'all want some turkey? Well, yeah, you want some. You're going to go over there and get it. Even though you're full and you don't need it, you'll go over there. That's what it is. That's how I feel every Sunday, Amen. We get two doses of, of great moves of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so thankful for that. Praise God. All of our guests, we are so glad to have you at First Church Woodland this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us. Amen. And uh, you will never be a guest again from this point on. You are family. Amen. Verse number one of chapter number five. Let's read what Paul writes here. Uh, Therefore, being justified by faith, everybody say justified, justified by faith, amen, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein ye stand. Oh, I love the way he said that. By faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice uh, in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in paychecks, promotions, bonuses, good-looking girlfriends and boyfriends and spouses, bigger homes, nicer cars, more convenient life, the new iPhone or Android, the new... Oh, I must be reading now the NIV, the nearly inspired version. We, we also, uh, but we glory in, 
in tribulations we understand have a purpose. Yeah. Know what he said? No, he said we glory in tribulations also. also. Why? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Tribulations worketh patience. Impatient people have not had tribulation successfully gone through. And knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the, for the church people. Christ died for the perfect people. Got it all together. No, Christ died for who? The ungodly. That's you and me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. Hallelujah. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now, we have now received the atonement. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that a beautiful passage of Scripture? Look at verse number 2 again. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. By whom also we have Access. Look at somebody and say, I got VIP access. Tell them I got access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning on wherein we stand. Wherein we stand. Praise God. Why don't we pray together right now? Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your incredible presence that has moved throughout this sanctuary already, that is calling us, that is drawing us, that is pulling closer, us closer to your presence and spirit. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me today. Pray you would not only anoint me, but every hearer in this room, anoint them to not only hear, but receive and respond and become what your word calls us to be. Lord, break every chain, loose healing in this place. Let there be an, a demonstration of apostolic power in this place before we leave. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Why don't we just thank the Lord right now. Hallelujah. God, I worship you. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody shout, wherein we stand. Shout it again. Wherein we stand. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, I, I want to tell you uh, right now that, that I am going to... Uh, Take a little bit of a, if you would, a, a long way around to, to the point of where I want to go today. And um, 
you've heard me say before, but most especially in a message like today, we have gotten to a point where we take a bite off and really just focus on just that little thing. But I, I think it would help us to understand and grasp more of the totality of what Paul is trying to say if we understand more of the context of Romans chapter 5. And again, uh, though I know most of you know this, uh, the Bible was not written in English. It was not written in any of our native tongues. It was written in uh, ancient Hebrew or Aramaic and in Greek. And so for the translators to make it a, a little more, uh, if you would, a, a little more digestible they broke it down into chapter and verse from its book or in this case in its letter form and they broke it down by subject or by importance amen and I know you feel like you're in class uh, but that's okay we're gonna we're gonna go somewhere with this all right and so they broke down the letter by by the importance of of topic or doctrine or situation and that made it somewhat more uh, digestible for us so we could break it up and say, okay, I see what they're saying in, in this segment here. However, um, the potential downside to that is to then think that because something is written in chapter 7, it has nothing to do with chapter 3, when in fact it all comes together and works together it's just been segmented so that we could digest it or comprehend it uh, a little bit better. And I, and I am grateful uh, for those that have labored over the centuries to make uh, the Word of God and to translate, rather, the Word of God to where it is understandable to us. Praise God. But uh, we, we understand that knowing that, that because I read something in verse 5 or chapter 5, does not mean it is disconnected from chapter 6, nor is it disconnected from chapter 4. Amen. It literally holds hands with them and is connected as a part of the Word of God. Amen. Now that we went there, let, let me now talk for a few minutes on the book of Romans and what the book of Romans uh, is and, and, and what it was at that time. Now, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm getting the, the engine warmed up right now. We'll, we'll get all of shouting and all that stuff in just a minute. Um, I'm going to give you some information today. Praise God. Uh, the, the author of the book of Romans is uh, Paul. And Paul wrote the book. As a matter of fact, uh, the book of Romans is the last epistle written by Paul. It was the last one that he wrote. And uh, it was written uh, somewhere around, arguably between 56 and 58 A.D. that he wrote this epistle. And he wrote it to, uh, this may become of great revelation, he wrote it to Romans. Amen. I know that was powerful. Um, if you need a Kleenex to wipe your eyes, just wave your hands for the ushers. They'll help you out because I know that was just so profound. Amen. He wrote it to the church that was at Rome. Now, the church that was at Rome was an incredibly multicultural church uh, because Rome was the center of the global power of the world at that time. It was a very international city, and we think city, we think like as San Francisco is to California, as California is to the U.S., uh, but it's actually the reverse of that because Rome was the center of the power of the world and anything Rome touched with their standard um, became Rome, amen, and it became Roman. Uh, but Paul was writing to the church that is at Rome and he is uh, talking to them because he had uh, several believers in that church who that he himself had converted some at some other point in the world. As a matter of fact, Paul is writing this epistle while he is in Corinth on a short stay for a missionary trip that he is making onward uh, to Greece. And he is writing to Rome under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Now, Rome 
is, uh, uh, it's one of the longest epistles of Paul, and it is by far the most detailed epistle of Paul that he writes. He covers everything here. As a matter of fact, um, it is one of the only um, uh, epistles that he writes that he is not dealing uh, specifically with, with uh, some kind of uh, um, argument or debate or, or doctrinal debate or he's not rebuking somebody. He is simply writing them to tell them of the love of God and, and how to be saved and how to stay saved and how to treat one another and how to love one another and how to be a part of the church or the family of God. It's a, a very powerful book because he's writing to an eclectic group of people. He's writing to free people and he's writing to slaves. He's writing to wealthy people and he's writing to those who are poverty stricken. And in his mission in writing this letter, he is trying to reach all of them with the understanding of the fundamental doctrine of Jesus Christ concerning his church. Amen. You getting anything out of this so far? Amen. Praise God. But, uh, people, they, they say all the time, you know, well, people, uh, you, you got to just preach something really short and simple or people don't get, no, they, they haven't preached at first church. We raise the level of expectation, amen, of our biblical understanding. Amen. I don't want no cotton candy theology. We want the word of God. Amen. Amen. Now, now, the, the reason I'm telling you this is because what I'm going uh, to attempt to do this morning with my subject is preach that to you, but to give it greater understanding, I got to extrapolate not just that, but the context of who Paul is writing this to and why Paul is writing this to them. Paul loved the people of Rome. As a matter of fact, in his first, in his opening paragraphs, he's letting Rome know that I, I love you and I, I long to someday be with you. And he would. The only problem was he'd be in handcuffs and they'd end up killing him. He got to Rome, just not the way he expected to get to Rome. And he, and he let them know that, that he loves them. As a matter of fact, uh, he goes on in chapter 16 of the book of Romans and he opens up the 16th chapter by saying, I commend you, Phoebe, our sister, uh, which is a servant of the church, which is in uh, Centria, that you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a secure of many and of myself, greet Priscilla and Aquila, and uh, my helpers in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to list the different people that he knows in the churches in Rome and how effective they are in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and effective in establishing churches. So Paul is writing this letter that will be duplicated over and over again and will then be spread out to all the churches that are in the city of Rome. I, I can't stress enough how important it is. As Paul is in Corinth and he is staying in the home of a man by the name of Gaius and he is writing this letter that he understands he is writing to a diverse culture. He is writing to an anti-Judeo-Christian culture. He's writing to people, many of whom are slaves. He's writing to people, many of whom a man are really low on the totem pole and, and some of them are in great positions of leadership. Some of them speak Hebrew. Some of them speak Greek. Some of them still speak Aramaic. Some of them speak languages of northern Africa. But he is writing to them of one theme, amen, of the grace of God that there is through Jesus Christ. He's bringing it down to a very, uh, if you would, nuts and bolts kind of a foundational level. Paul, in other words, is not wanting to get lost in the weeds or, or on the, the peripheral things over here. As T.F. Tenney would say, he's trying to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. He's not addressing whims and wants. He's addressing doctrinal issues that are so very important for us. Amen. You with me so far? Amen. Amen. We're nine minutes and 56 seconds into this, and I feel the glory of God already in this place. Amen. Now, Paul, 
Paul writes, and he begins to teach to them, uh, and this is, this is his most detailed epistle, and he is teaching them consistently about justification. He's teaching them about, uh, about faith. He's teaching them about the power of God's Spirit in the life of a believer to do a multiplicity of things. And he is teaching to them the importance of following after the Spirit of God and the truth of God's Word. Amen. Amen. Now, let me just say this. This is what's called expository preaching this morning. Amen. For all of you preachers here and our preachers and aspiring preachers and missionaries, missionaries that listen to me, this is what we are called to do. We are not called to huff and fluff. We are not called to just say something to, to tickle everybody's ears. Amen. We're not called to take a board and whip people over the head. We are called to take the inerrable, infallible, undeniable, everlasting word of God and teach it and preach it. As it is written, can you say amen? amen. Now, expository preaching uh, uh, simply means to, to preach upon the facts of what is before us and then to prove that within Scripture. So that, that's what I'm going to I'm not going to preach about what C.S. Lewis thinks. I'm not going to preach, amen, uh, about what Spike Lee thinks. I'm not going to preach about what Quentin Tarantino thinks. I'm not going to preach about what the Clintons think or the Trumps think. I'm going to preach about what God in his word has preserved for the church of the living God. And so we bring now our attention to this epistle that Paul is writing to this di very diverse group of people. And he is so detailed in this that we have to leave this epistle with an understanding that if this was all you were handed was just that epistle, there's enough to live for God ten lifetimes on. That was his point. I'm going to give you enough to serve God and to be able to follow God in the power of his spirit through this word. It's a very detailed writing. I can see him sitting as a guest in the house of Gaius in Corinth as he is writing this letter. And he is, he is so poignantly writing uh, every word in here. He is not only concerned about grammar and verbiage, but he's concerned about context and he's preaching to a people who have a lot of whom have no understanding of God and yet some who do have an understanding of God being that they were Jewish people and were brought up in the Judeo uh, uh, or the Judean uh, principles of the Torah and so he's writing to people on both ends of the spectrum people who were heathenistic and didn't believe in a God or even know of God people who believed in the old Greek uh, uh, Greek mythology and they believed in a multiplicity of God to the Jewish people to whom we are of spiritually of the lineage and that of the Abrahamic faith of monotheism which means that there is one God and so I need you to see the spectrum that Paul is writing to he's not writing to us who have a basic understanding everyone in this room of who Jesus Christ is amen no matter your theology or your doctrine or your understanding you at least have a basic knowledge he's writing to people amen whom only 20 years earlier did Jesus Christ die upon the cross and so their understanding of Jesus is in, in it sometimes is incredibly off or it's non-existent. And so he's writing to them and he's bringing them in chapter 1. He is bringing them around to a basic understanding of God and an and understanding of why we need Jesus Christ in our life and why the sacrifice of Christ upon Calvary's cross was such an important thing. It's detailed in your Bible. Amen. Uh, he starts in verse number 16 of chapter 1 by declaring that the just shall live by faith. Everybody shout the just. We're going to see that word again and again. And, and then he talks about in verse 18 God's wrath that comes upon the earth 
because of ungodliness. Amen. And uh, there, there's ungodliness in the world today, which means even more now we need the gospel than ever before. Uh, then he doesn't just stop there and say there's been ungodliness, so now let's, uh, let's just turn and repent. But he de- digs down a little deeper in chapter number 2, and Paul begins to write to them about God's righteous judgment. Not just judgment, but God's righteous judgment, which means that God was justified in bringing judgment to mankind. Amen. And then as he goes through this and he begins to warn them about ungodliness and and warns them about following after God and that God is a righteous God and that there's going to be a day of of judgment and atonement, Uh, then right in the middle of chapter 2 and verse 17, uh, amen, he begins to caution against hypocrisy, letting them know, don't don't speak out of both sides of your mouth. Don't live, don't just be a weekend warrior for Jesus. Don't come and shout on Sunday and go live like hell on Monday. I I might just do a little bit of old-fashioned Bible preaching here. Uh, In other words, don't don't have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. Amen. But follow through with it. Amen. Go through with it and understand that 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 uh, that this this really shoots a hole in the doctrine of one saved always saved amen that 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 you have to live continually every day to follow after Jesus Christ amen living for God is a day to day thing you say well I'm going to serve Jesus my whole life good start by serving him today and then wake up and start serving him tomorrow amen for tomorrow's promise to no man This is the day that we have. Serve you the Lord therein. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. This a little too heavy for a Sunday morning? I just just feel it right now. Y'all are just pulling it out of me. I love it. Amen. Now, let let me me get back to my notes here. Uh, He's talking now about... uh, uh, warning against hypocrisy and he is basically telling them you don't proclaim to be one thing and then let your lifestyle declare that you are another thing because it's not just important it's absolutely imperative that you become what you confess with your mouth and we're not talking about a by faith confession either well by faith I'm going to I'm going to live for God. That's not a by faith thing. That's a put wheels on the vehicle and do it thing. And then he moves into uh, verse number three, or excuse me, chapter number three. And as we step in uh, to chapter number three, uh, Paul, again, in this letter, he is a leading. Remember, he started, he started with the just shall live by faith in God's wrath against ungodliness and God's righteous judgment and warns about being a hypocrite and there's so many other things in there and then he starts talking about in chapter number three he says okay now that I've told you about all this now let me tell you this God is faithful and God is just Amen, because God's not just going to dangle you over the flames of hell and watch you twisting in uh, in the torture and heat. No, God is a God that is just, uh, and he is a God that is faithful, and he is a God that is good. For there is no temptation known to man that God hath not already provided a way of escape. Sounds like a really good God. To me. Hallelujah. So he's talked about God's righteousness, God's righteous judgment. He's warned against hypocrisy. Amen. Uh, I keep hitting that. I just I, I keep hitting that. Amen. He's warning against hypocrisy. Don't don't be a hypocrite. I just I keep I keep going. I feel like an old coon dog right now, and I think I got something treed. Amen. And and uh, I'm gonna howl just a little bit right here. Don't be professing to be one thing in here and go out and be something else. That, that's called convenience, not conviction. you got to get a conviction down in your heart. And I'm going to tell you something. A conviction don't come from a church. And a conviction don't come from a preacher. A conviction comes from the Word of God. It's planted through the preaching by His Word. But it is nourished and it is grown through prayer. And, and, and commitment. 
and commitment to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You, you, you may fool some of the people some of the time, but you'll never fool all the people all the time. And we'll never fool God. Amen. In fact, in Romans, Bible, uh, he, he says, God is not a man that he should lie. Uh, he sees all, he knows all. He's a God of truth. Amen. Praise God. Now he's talking about God's faithful and God's just. Everybody say God's just. Then, then he drops in here and he just like drops a bomb on us right there at the beginning to the middle part of chapter 3. And he says, uh, nobody's righteous. So wait a second. Okay, well, you just told us about, you know, this and that. And then boom, here, here we are. Now you're going to tell us uh, uh, that, that there is none righteous. Uh, in verse number 10, he says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues have used deceit. The poison of asp, a man is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are with to shed blood destruction and misery are their ways in the way of peace have they not known there is no fear of God before their eyes now we know what things soever the law saith it saith unto them who are under the law uh, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And every one of us went. That's pretty heavy. Now, if I ended there, you're like, my God, why even try? Right? That's pretty heavy. Come on. It's pretty heavy stuff. I mean, it's like, well, let's just go smoke a cigarette and drink a beer. I mean, it's just. That's pretty heavy. There's no good. There's not, I mean, what? There's none righteous? <laughs> but he doesn't stop there. He says, before you get up and go to the bar, keep reading. Because what he is saying is to those of the household of faith in Rome, they are now saying, let us get back to the law of Moses. And Paul is writing and saying the law of Moses didn't do anything but make us aware of our sin. It could do nothing for our sin. It couldn't help our sin. It couldn't redeem us from our sin. It couldn't justify us. It couldn't give us grace. It couldn't give us mercy. The law, the Bible said for what the law could not do, for it was weak. Jesus did through his sacrifice on Calvary, which means I can't do enough works to be saved. I can't do enough right things to make God save me. All I can do is submit my life to him and follow after him. Amen. Is that all right? Does that, does that make sense? Because I think some of you are confused right now. Because you say, wait a sec. You said we can't do anything to make God save us. But what about over here where we have things that we have to do after we're saved? Well, that's after we're saved. There's a difference between salvation by works and works by salvation. See, here's the damnable New Age doctrine that creeps into the Christian church in the last 50 years that said, and no matter what denomination, and look how nuts they're going with it now in these denominal churches. They're used to it. Everybody that was a Christian believed, once I'm saved, I've got to step out from sinfulness and begin to walk after the righteousness of God. And about 50 years ago, we begin to spin it on its head. And, we, and no coincidence, it, it, inters, it intersected with the, 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 the hippie movement. And no, no question at all. And they said, wait a second, wait a second. Hold on a minute now. Uh, uh, God accepts me as who I am. Yes, he does. I mean, let, me, let me just say this. God loves you right now, right where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you right where you are. 
Amen. Am, am I making sense this morning? All right. So, so again, we'll, we'll shout and yell and run and all that stuff in a minute. But let's, let's find out why we're getting excited. So we don't believe that you're saved because you do works. We believe you do works because you're saved. These signs shall follow them that believe. We don't go laying hands on the sick to prove to people we believe. We believe and by virtue of our belief and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, when we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Amen. It is not a prenuptial agreement to the Holy Ghost. It is a preceding will of God in our life. Amen. That these signs would follow. The same thing works in the way that we follow after God. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, it is giving you the power to follow after a holy God. Because Paul said right here in Romans 3 that the law alone could not make us righteous it could not make us holy if all we needed was the law the law would have worked but the law didn't work matter of fact Paul said it made sinners out of all of us but Christ came in to say where the law failed I'm going to lift you up and empower you with the Holy Ghost for what the blood of bulls and goats and heifers could not do. One drop of the precious lamb of glory on Calvary turned it all around. So he says there's none righteous. Uh, uh, God, then he starts talking about God's righteousness by faith. You drop down from verse 20 where you felt like running out of here and, and thinking that all is hopeless. And you go to verse 21 and it says, But now the righteousness of God without the law manifests, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto you all, upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Do you like that verse? Hold on, there's another one right below it. And, and, and it, says, uh, it says this, for all have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I love verse 24. Being justified. Yes. Being justified freely. How? By his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. Jesus. That word justified is a cool word. You know what justified means? I, I, I jotted this down because I want to get it exactly right. The word justified simply means this. It means to demonstrate, to prove, to show, or to display or demonstrate that it is just, right, valid, reasonable, warranted and free from guilt. Being free from guilt freely. My God, I might shout myself. Let me read that again. Let me read that again. Amen. And being validated freely and being, uh, being demonstrated freely and, and being proven right freely and being warranted freely from guilt by his grace through the redemption of Christ Jesus. Whom God, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. All you saved folks, this ought to make you want to do a backflip. Amen. Whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation. You know what a propitiation is? Anybody know what a propitiation is? It's a religious term that is understood through most religions. A propitiation simply means one who absorbed the penalty for others to satisfy the rage of God. 
Man, I'm going to tell you what, we'll, we'll run and shout about getting more money. There ain't nothing more powerful than this right here. Whom God had set forth to be the absorber of all God's judgment and of all God's anger against my sin through his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Woo. Have your sins been washed away? Have your sins been washed away in the waters of baptism? If they have, this ought to make you excited. Amen. Have you been to Jesus for a cleansing flow? There is power in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? It's not my righteousness. It's not my blood. It's not my works. I'm not the propitiation. Jesus is. Now, you, you can't preach this in a lot of churches. Most people check out by this point. Say, so where, where's the little, give me my little one-liner to make me shout. I'm talking about the grace of Almighty God that has justified us. A grace you couldn't earn. You could, I couldn't purchase. I couldn't be good enough to get it. I couldn't be rich enough to buy it. Amen. There's no way I could even inherit it. But because Jesus Christ became the propitiation of sin and he stepped in my place, oh, hallelujah, he got on Calvary's cool, cruel cross on Golgotha. And three Sundays, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. It's one of the most holiest days for believers. I pray to God you're here and you get 10 other people here to shout about the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ when Jesus hung on the cross and he took all of God's wrath and he took all of God's anger and he took all of God's judgment upon us and the Bible said in the book of Isaiah for it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It's not that God was happy because the body of Christ was being beaten. It's that God was pleased because he knew that that was the Lamb's slain from the foundations of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is why Jesus told the disciples, don't rejoice because demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Somebody shout justified. No, come on, shout justified. Look at somebody and tell them I'm justified. Amen. You may say, I don't feel justified. Maybe because you don't understand what I'm saying right now. But you're justified. If you've been cleansed from your sins in the waters of baptism, you have been justified. Somebody shout, I'm justified. justified. Amen. So let me move on. I'm only in chapter number three. Amen. And so he talks about that. And then in chapter number four, he opens a dimension to all mankind that would unlock the eternal, amen, and efficacious grace of Jesus Christ into the life of men and women, not only in that time, amen, but in the time which is to come, that is which the time of which we live in now, amen, and however long that humans will tread upon this earth. He unlocks in chapter number four, he begins to talk about justification. Somebody shout justification. He begins to talk about being justified. He just got through telling us that God is righteous and that nobody else is righteous. And then he begins to talk about how that you, a man, can be justified through faith. And then you get down to verse number one. Of, give me a chapter four and verse one. I know I told you to be in Ephesians, but give me, amen, uh, uh, be instant in season and out of season. Give me Romans chapter four. And we're going to go to old church today, amen. Amen, and, and, and read it like you've been justified. Stand up and read it like you've been justified. Give me verse number one. Y'all follow with me now. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, 
as pertaining to the flesh hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Uh, hold on right there. He said, if Abraham, who is the father of us all, amen, if Abraham were justified by works, uh, he hath whereof to glory. But in other words, uh, Abraham did a lot of good things. And if anybody could have boasted of the good things they could have done, it would be Abraham, the father of the faithful. Amen. Then he throws in those four words, but not before God. Hallelujah. Because Abraham ain't going to judge us. It's God who's going to judge us. Go ahead. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God uh -huh. and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Say that again. Uh, it was counted unto him for righteousness. What did he do before righteousness. they got counted? Abraham believed Abraham God. Abraham what? Believed God. Abraham what? Believed God. And what did God do? And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Ooh. Praise God. Hallelujah. Keep reading. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Listen, basically what he says, you get what you work for. If you work unrighteousness, you'll get unrighteousness. Yeah. If you work sin, you're going to get sin. Amen. Drop down to verse number 13. Y'all still with me? For the promise that he should be the heir of the world huh. was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, uh -huh. but through the righteousness, righteousness of faith. Hallelujah. The promise didn't come through the law. The promise came through faith. And God looked at Abraham's faith and said, oh, that's righteousness. You couldn't be righteous before the blood of Jesus. You couldn't be righteous before Calvary. But because Abraham believed. Keep going. I, I might work myself into a fit. Go ahead. For if they... If they which are the law be heirs, uh -huh. faith is made void, uh -huh. and the promise made of none effect. None effect. Go ahead. Because the law worketh wrath. The law works wrath. Keep going. For where no law is, there is no transgression. In other words, if you ain't got a law, you can't break a law that ain't there. Like going through Montana, there's places that ain't got a speed limit. You ain't getting a speeding ticket for no speed limit. But is it safe? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Say, I don't want all this holiness. I don't want all them laws and stuff. I'm not going to do Go right ahead. You know what that is? Lawlessness. Void of freedom. Void of victory. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I got a little sidetracked. I got to hurry. Go ahead. Therefore, it is of faith uh -huh. that it might be by grace. It is of faith. Say that again. It is of faith uh -huh. that it might be by grace. Go ahead. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. But who did he write this to? The Romans weren't of the, faith, of the household of Abraham. They were Gentiles. They weren't Jewish people. They were Gentiles. And Paul said, if you continue in the faith, amen, you're of the seed of Abraham. Oh, I feel like shouting. Keep going. We got more. Are y'all with me this morning? Hey, that pulled pork's going to be great, but just it'll get better in a minute. Brother, Brother Nate, I want you to get me. Ephesians chapter 2, and just hold on to it, but keep reading, keep reading. As it is written, I have uh -huh. made thee a father yes. of many nations. Before him whom be be he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Keep going, this is where it gets cool. Who against hope believed in hope, <laughs> that he might become the father uh -huh. of many nations, according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be. Keep going. And being not weak in faith. And being not weak in faith, what did he do? He considered not his own body no. now dead. Keep reading. 
When he was about a hundred years old, uh-huh. neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Keep going. He staggered, staggered not, not at the promises at of the God. Promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, strong in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham was over a hundred. His wife was ninety. You know what? He he didn't stand there and say, "Can't God can't do it?" Pardon me, don't get offended. But Abraham said, "Scoot over, baby. I'm getting in bed." God gave us a promise, and I'm gonna believe it. Read that again. He staggered not at the promise of God. Read that again. He staggered not at the promise of God. Read it again. He staggered not at the promise of God. Some of y'all doing this at God's promises right now. You don't know how God can do it. You don't know when God's going to do it. You're, you're rubbing your fingers together. You're stressed out about it. I've come to give you a word. Don't you stagger at the promise of God. And being fully persuaded what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Fully persuaded that whatever God promised, that God would be able to perform. Keep going. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. It was what? Imputed for him, to him for righteousness. Go ahead, keep reading. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But for us also, to whom it was imputed, if we believe on him that raised up (laughs) Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses Uh and was raised again for our justification. Justification. That a hundred-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman could have a child as promised from God and he staggered not at the promise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Say, Pastor, what's that got to do with anything? Give me the next verse. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith. By faith. Into the, this grace. Into this grace. Wherein we stand. Wherein we stand. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo. Did you catch that? Now you're, so, so if you were wondering, Pastor, why did you take 35 minutes to take us from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 5? It's to show you that it all works together like this. This is the grace wherein you stand. What grace? The same grace that Abraham stood on. The same grace that Abraham stood on. Got a promise from God? Quit staggering and stop stuttering and start standing. Let me say it again. You got a promise from God? Stop stuttering and quit staggering and start standing and start proclaiming, I shall live and shall not die. I'm going to preach that devil right off of your head this morning. You need to quit stuttering and staggering at the promises of God. Why is it when the devil says boo, you don't do anything, but when God says blessed, you stagger back. You need to reach back to the faith of Abraham and say if God said it, it shall be done. If God declared it, it shall be. My God, I feel like shouting right now. I'm preaching to some folks this morning who've got some promises from God. I'm preaching to some folks this morning that God has said yea and amen to you, but you're staggering at the promise of God. You need to get on your feet right now and say, this is wherein I stand. This, this is wherein I stand. My God. 
when the devil jumps out and says boo, we just go boo back. Because I'm preaching, I'm preaching to mature saints of God this morning who the devil don't frighten us easy. We get more intimidated by God's promise than we do by hell's cursing. I might have to tweet my own self after church. Well, how's, how's, how's that going to happen? Listen, I, I know we ain't got Sunday school. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be PG. But how's that going to happen, Abraham? We ain't going to sit there playing pinochle at 90 and 100. At some point, I think you read between the lines here. At, at some point, he had to look at her and sing, baby, close the door and turn the lights down low. At some point, they could just sit there and hold hands and say, we believe, we believe, we believe, we believe, we believe, we believe, we believe. And the devil says, you ain't never going to have a kid. Ah, shut up. We're not. We're, we're the promise. We believe, we believe, we believe. How's it going to happen? We believe it. How's it going to happen? We believe. You know what Abraham and Sarah did? They finally said, all right, God, we're going to put your word to the test. We'll do what you've called us to do. And you do what only you can do. And though our bodies are dead, and though my womb is barren, and though I'm past age, you are still God enough. And this is the grace wherein we stand. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I, I, I still know what some of y'all waiting on this morning. I don't know if you're waiting on the thus saith the Lord or yea, I say unto thee. Amen. If God never speaks another promise in your life, he's spoken enough to turn your world upside down. Quit staggering at the promise of God and stand. Somebody say grace. Say grace. What is grace? Grace is an acceptable theological definition. Is grace is the unmerited favor of God. Matter of fact, Brother Nate, read for me. Uh, stand up and, and, and read it with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Chapter 2 and, and give me verse. Uh, let me back it up a little bit. Amen. Uh, give me verse number 4. Amen. Read it, Brother Nate. Start at 4. Uh, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Uh -huh, keep going. Even when we were dead in sins, hath uh -huh. quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. By grace you are saved. Watch this. He said, even when we were dead in our sins, the same kind of dead Abraham said, I am. Are you hearing me? The same kind of dead that Paul writes about in Ephesians 2 when he said even when we were dead in our sin we didn't mean that we didn't have oxygen in us and when it said in Hebrews 4 that Abraham was dead in his own body didn't mean he didn't have life he just didn't have the ability to reproduce he said even when we were dead in sins hath he quickened amen hath he quickened us together with Christ by grace or you say read for me verse number 6 read it real loud and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus jump down to verse number 8 for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So pastor, where do I stand? I'm glad you asked. First, let me tell you how I stand. I stand justified. 
Did you catch that? I said, I stand justified. Justified means being made innocent, being made free of guilt. So I stand innocent, not because I am innocent, but because he made me innocent by the blood of his cross. My God, somebody's going to get this before we leave here today. And I believe if you get this, you can leave here healed. You can leave here delivered. You can leave here set free. You can leave here renewed. You can leave here filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So once again, let me tell you how I stand. I stand free of guilt. I stand blameless. I stand without reproach in the sight of God wherein I stand. That's how I stand. But do you want to know where I stand? I stand on the grace of Almighty God. How I stand and where I stand, I couldn't do it on my own. But how I stand and where I stand is because of who laid down their life for me. I've come to tell somebody this morning at First Church, you don't need to stagger at the promises of God. Just stand still and see the salvation of God. Just stand still and say, I'm justified. Come on, I'm justified. I'm justified. I've got faith. Stand with me all over this house. I feel such a breakthrough in this place right now. Come on. Hallelujah. How many's, got a, how many's got a promise from God? Wave your hand right now. Come on. Come on. God's given you a promise for anything in your life. Get that hand up and wave it right now. So that's me. God's promised something. God's promised. Uh, let, me, let me ask you something. Has God ever promised you something so much or so big or, 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 or so outlandish or crazy or unimaginable that you just kind of staggered at it? Because if God promised you something that you could do, God didn't promise it. <laughs> let, me, let me say that again, clarify. If God promised you something that you could do without his help, it wasn't from him. When God promises you something, it's always going to be exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen. Now, how many has God promised something like that before? God ever promised to save your family? And your family is crazy? Come on now, you say amen. They're, they're not looking at the audience and they're online, they're just watching me. Have you ever, God promised you I'm going to save that one? And you think, oh, that one? Huh? They're so lost. How, how, how are they going to be saved? They're all in kind of, all kinds of mess. God said, I'm going to save them. But they're bound by drugs. God said, I'm going to save them. But they're an atheist. If God said he's going to save them, it don't matter who they are or what they've done. I've seen God save people that swore they'd never be saved. I said, I've seen God bring backsliders that were so bitter back home, they swore they'd rather spit on a church than walk in it. about wherein we stand. We, we need to get a hold of the promises of God again. What, what has God promised for you? What has God promised in your life? Because where we stand is in God's grace. That we couldn't do it by ourselves. For we are saved by grace through faith, not of works alone, lest any man should boast. That means we can't do it of ourselves. What God's going to do in our life, God's going to stand back, and God's going to be the one that gets the glory for it. He's not asking you to fight the battle. He's not asking you to perform the miracle. He's just asking you to stand. He's asking you to stand by justification. He's asking you to stand on grace. He's asking you to stand and say, even when I can't see it, he's working. Even when I don't know how, he's still working. When I don't know the way, he's still gonna do it.
want you to lift your hands right where you are right now. Feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Hallelujah. I believe God can save somebody in this house this morning. Amen. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by our own goodness. We're not saved by our understanding or even our intellect. But we are saved by the grace, amen, of Almighty God. He wants to justify you today. That means he wants to make you blameless and guiltless and faultless in the sight of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says, now unto him that is able, amen, to keep me and present me faultless before him in that day. That's what he's talking about, justification. He wants to justify you. All you got to do is confess your sin to the Lord and say, God, I can't do it on my own. I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I've messed up in my life. Would you lift your hands and pray that right now? Lord, I, I have sinned in my life. Lord, I have done things that are not pleasing to your word. I have violated. I have trespassed your word. I have done things that I'm ashamed of and I'm not proud of. Oh Lord, I don't want to stand on my own works. I don't want to stand on my own righteousness because it's filthy rags in your sight. But Lord, I want to stand justified. Hallelujah. I want to stand justified. And Lord, I want to stand on that grace, that unmerited favor of your mercy and your goodness and your compassion. Hallelujah. 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 I feel God at work in this place. Amen. I want you to take somebody by the hand. Amen. Step across the aisle if you have to. Maybe introduce yourself. But I want you to take somebody by the hand and bring them to the altar with you right now. Because we're going to stand in the grace of God together. We're going to stand justified. Don't let the enemy of your soul beat you up. Don't let the enemy of your soul try to tell you you're not good enough. Come on. Come on, Abraham. Don't let the enemy of your soul tell you all the reasons you can't. Amen. Let God's mercy and grace tell you all the reasons he can. Come on. That's it. Find somebody and bring them to the altar. We're going to come together. Amen. We're going to stand justified. We're going to stand in the grace of God. My past does not determine and identify me. I'm not what I used to be. I'm free by the grace of Almighty God. I'm free because he laid down his life for a sinner like me. Come on, that's it. Just begin to pray to the Lord. I believe he can renew you in his spirit right now. I believe he can fill you with the Holy Ghost right now. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.